Welcome back, Sentinel Warriors. We are so excited that you are tuning in for our second round of episodes of 2420, where you can get information from 20th Air Force leaders in about 20-ish minutes, delivered on the 20th of each month. This is Lieutenant Emily Seaton from 20th Air Force Public Affairs, and for this episode, Major General Mike Lutton is with the Wing Commanders and Helicopter Group Commander once again, and they will be discussing leadership philosophy, struggles, decision-making, and how to provide valuable feedback. Let's go ahead and get started. Hey, welcome back to uh, the second episode of 20 for 20, Becoming a Leader. We talked in the first episode about the path of leadership. Now you're on that path, and how do you develop yourself as a leader? And, and I'd ask Kathy Barrington, who is the first leader that you remember in the Air Force, and what was their impact on you? Well, sir, I joined the Air Force Academy in 1993 and the first leaders would have been those first cadets in basic training who were suddenly in my face making stuff happen right but at the same time teaching me about right. what i needed to do and, and helping mold me into into who i became yeah. and then another very influential leader would be my husband mm -hmm. uh, he's two years ahead of me and I got to see him as a commissioned officer getting involved, getting out there volunteering and, and doing some amazing things. And literally as a cadet, I took notes. I wrote down that he's volunteering for extra things at work. He is getting to know uh, what's going on across the base that he was at and, and it was tremendous. So that's a very formal leadership setup and an informal leadership setup. Both were very impactful in my life. So if you look at that and, and your husband was impactful on you as a leader. How did that help you really address challenges later on that you may have encountered when you became a commissioned officer and a leader? So the, the value is that I've got somebody at home who understands the Air Force way yeah. of life and he's a missile maintenance officer, I'm a missile operator. He largely understands our business. So when something happens or I need to bounce something off of him, he is an incredible listener, incredibly even keeled. Mm -hmm. So it's just easier to arrive at solutions when I talk it through with him. Yeah. A lot of our listeners may not realize that struggling as a leader is something that is very common among all of us as senior officers, all the way down to NCOs and airmen. So F-15, what's one thing that you struggled with as a leader and more importantly, how did you overcome that? When I was a CGO, I think I felt my struggles where I didn't get recognized how I thought I deserved to be recognized, which may not be just because it was in my mind. Didn't mean that that was really that I deserved it. But I think the biggest struggle for me was how do I have the opportunity? I, my passion is to lead airmen mm -hmm. and I, and I wanted to continue doing it as many times as possible. And I wasn't joint qualified, so I wasn't, I was being told that I wouldn't be considered for wing command. So it made me frustrated, made me upset, and uh, <laughs> broke my heart when I left Malmstrom as the OG because I thought I was never gonna come back. So then I, I looked to see how, what we could do to make it possible. And then I was very fortunate to have several people in my corner to find opportunities, maybe a unique path to be able to, to get where I, I was. Part of leadership is recognizing when the struggle's worth it or then when it's not and then walk away. Right, and, and you know, just exploring that a little more, I mean, you encountered something that 
might have been an obstacle, uh, but just as an outsider looking on that situation, I think Ron and I would never say that you struggled. It, it was getting the institution to understand, okay, these are the things we need to have happen. So struggling can have a, a negative connotation, but how do you think that that made you a better leader I, going through that situation? Sure. I think it made me realize that it is okay to fight for yourself mm -hmm. and that struggles are worth it too and they can, they can make you a, a better person. But I felt like this was one of the first times, <laughs> I could may, may disagree with this, but one of the first times in my life that I felt like I was almost being selfish and saying, Will you support me and, and advocate for me to take this path to open up possible opportunities? Um, yeah. It felt selfish, but uh, hopefully, hopefully yeah, it's I, worth I mean, it for, for the, the for the listeners, just to really talk about F15 for a second. F15 went to Baghdad for a year, so I don't think anybody would say that was selfish. People, I mean, you were mortared and rocketed yes, uh, fairly routinely, so I don't think you have anything to worry about about people thinking you were selfish. Thank you, sir. Uh, I think it was important, though, in that that in my mind. I just want to explore it a little more with JB. You talked earlier about you might not have been getting the recognition that you thought you should have got. Or in the case of you were done being the OG, why am I not going to be a wing commander? It seems that the common thread there is communication, right? Your leadership wasn't explaining to you and communicating to you why these decisions were made. JB, can you talk about how critical communication is with your airmen in, in their becoming a leader? That's the basis of a relationship, right? So. Right. Um, Transparency matters. Right. Uh, context matters. Being able to explain the why behind our ops tempo or our battle rhythm carries a lot of weight, right? So, uh, and it keeps the airmen grounded in, in reality. Uh, if you leave gaps, the human mind is very good at filling gaps in, with, right. with speculation, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. which generally is incorrect, right? So, uh, if I know the why behind, uh, why we're, we're changing up our schedule. And I, and I know it's for a very good reason because we've got limited life components and, and I, I've talked to missile maintenance. I understand that piece. It's very easy for my airmen to go, oh yeah, do you need me to come in this weekend too? Because I'm in, right? So understanding the context of those things is incredibly important and being very uh, transparent in that it matters. Chris, when you look at it and, and you talk to your airmen and an airman identifies a struggle they may be having, on their development as a leader, how, how do you give them objective, honest feedback? Because I feel, as a senior officer, a lot of our airmen are consumed with stratification. They anchor their performance to a numerator and a denominator and, and not really look at a larger context. See, so can you talk to that? Yes, sir. A lot of it starts with just putting myself in their shoes and, and giving them stories about where I was at at the, their point in life, how I wasn't stratified. In fact, I, I didn't even know what a wing strap was. I remember getting to, to top eight at my second ops tour and, and you know, as people shared OPRs or had discussions about what their first ops tours were like. And I was like, oh, holy crap, I must have been a slug yeah. um, in, in just the paperwork that was there compared to others. But, it, but that's also part of it. It's, you can't compare yourself. And it's, it's coming up with that definition of success for each individual that it's, it's not a number, it's not a rank, it's not a position. Mm -hmm. It's, and as, as much as I hated hearing it at the time, so I guess part of this is maybe just becoming old and, and but seeing that it is true, it's doing the best with where you're at and, mm -hmm. and it's gonna work out. So that's, that's usually what I'll try and, and convey, not, not to get wrapped up in that, uh, work hard and you know, give them stories about how you know, I was a, a late bloomer you know, mm -hmm. in, in key jobs 
that later on, you know, help me to unwrap. So doors are, are never fully closed. Yeah. So so along that lines, those can be very stressful situations for our young officers, right? Where they may be looking at their performance reports and they have an expectation that they're performing at this level and they get feedback that maybe they're more middle of the pack. And so, Jason, how do you have those feedback sessions with the airmen and continue to develop them and becoming a leader, even though maybe the performance reporting period that you're assessing them on right now might not have worked out the way you and that airman thought it was gonna work out. Yes, sir, in, in those cases, really in all feedback, even when it's all positive, there's always some constructive piece that, that you can provide somebody from, from what you've seen. And, and for me, I often pull other folks in prior to the discussion to make sure that I understand not only from, from my perspective, but what others' perspective when, you, when you're able to provide examples of, of, of situations and then also provide examples of, of how you can see them either uh, improving their performance or if the performance is where it is, continue to do those things and, and, and make sure they understand that um, like this is great that, that you did here or hey here, let's, let's work on this together because you know we could have got after that differently. But um, as a couple have already mentioned it's it's about being transparent and it's 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 having those examples and having those uh, encouraging words to be able to say here's how we can get after this together yeah in, in in becoming a leader we develop leadership philosophies and so Kathy can you talk to what were some of the influential people and influential situations that really form your leadership philosophy Yes, sir. I stole this from General Clark, who was the, he was the Commandant of Cadets while Bill was an Air Officer Commanding at the Air Force Academy. Okay. Uh, so I never worked for General That's Lieutenant General, General Rich Clark now, who's the Superintendent. That's correct. Okay. Bill told me this, and I was like, that is brilliant. It's do the right thing at the right time for the right reason and press on. And what I like about that leadership philosophy, it's do the right thing. Okay, that, that's hard sometimes. Okay, the right thing is sometimes the difficult thing. Do the right thing. At the right time, be prompt. Make sure you're deliberate with your actions for the right reason. Make sure that you are doing things for the right motivations and that you're helping others. Yeah. And then press on because there's so many things happening. You gotta make a decision. Make sure you, you check that criteria and then you move forward. And then the, the more Air Force way to put it is decisions should be rooted in the Air Force core values. That's a very simplified litmus test of the Air Force core values. You know, are we maintaining our integrity? Are we serving the Air Force and others before ourselves? And are we doing excellence in everything that we do? And if we can pass those tests, then as a leader, things are gonna be okay. F-15, how about yourself with your leadership philosophy? So my overall philosophy is to connect airmen with the mission, give them a sense of why. Right, so that, that's what my job is to do. And whether it's at this level in command or even in staff, and staff it can sometimes be harder to find your why because you're further from sure. the mission and the airmen and yeah. doing it. But if I can give people an understanding of their why, their sense of purpose, how they matter, then it will I think make them feel, no, not feel, but know that they are an integral part of the team and I think fulfill them, their sense of worth and um, help them perform at a higher level. So connecting the airmen to the mission 
and that's that's really what I want to do. JB, when you look at your leadership philosophy, clearly that influences your decision making. Sure. Can, can you talk about the relationship between the two and, and how you developed your leadership philosophy and how that influences the decisions you make and then maybe an area where you said, hey, that was a really good decision and then maybe an area where you're like, hey, I need to take a look at that decision that I made. Mm. All right. Uh, yeah, tell your boss bad, bad decisions. Yeah, the bad. Oh, here's all. <laughs> doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be as the helicopter commander. Right. Yeah. Could be as a staff officer at Matchcom. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, well, first thing I usually ask when I'm trying to make a decision is, is it my decision to make? Right. Is this should this be uh, higher than me, or am I actually stealing a decision from my subordinate? So, I, I try not to make the decision if I can. If I can have it. Uh, be a learning opportunity for, for someone that I'm supervising, I'm all for that. Uh, and, and I try to teach actually five different levels of decision making, but they're very simple and I'll keep it brief. It's you decide, you never tell me. Number two is you decide and tell me after the fact, uh, just simply for essay. Number three is you decide, but you give me a warn order. I intend to do this, that's mm -hmm. to steal a line from turn the ship around, right? And if I, and that's usually when you're not really sure if you're empowered to make that decision. I use that on you all the time, sir. It's effective. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it gives you the opportunity to go, nope, that's my decision, right? And Or, or offer me advice, right? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, four is we talk about it ahead of time, and then uh, the, the subordinate decides. And, and number five is very similar to that even, but then I pull it up and I decide for, you know, for us, but, but informed by, by that leader, right? So I try to do that myself. And there have been times, if I, if I have erred, it's been when I didn't use that framework myself, right? And I was quick to make a, a decision that, man, who knew better than my squadron commander that was right there or my flight commander that was right there with hands-on, knew the individual, knew the situation. And I was, to me, I looked at it and I recognized it as, something that maybe it wasn't, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's where I think I've gotten myself in, into trouble in the past. Chris, when you, when you look at leadership philosophy development, how do bad leaders affect that? Do you find them more valuable than good leaders? It definitely usually leaves a, a, a mark more so. It's probably easier to remember uh, the bad ones over the good. I mean, it's right. almost like, you know, you need a seven positive comments to, to overcome a negative one, or, you know, you need a lot of more positive contacts and hugs, you know, when you've, you've had something bad happen in your life. I think there's a lot to be learned from a, a negative uh, impact that you've had. It definitely sticks in your mind, but at the same time, I, I can remember uh, all the positive ones, I think, for what they, what they brought, how they influenced me, and, you know, could name them out throughout my career and the impact they had in, in different jobs. So maybe from an emotional impact or even an emotional impact for my wife, the bad ones, um, stick out. We, we talk as a leadership team within 20th Air Force that it's a precondition that we lead our airmen with dignity and respect. That is the foundation of everything we do. And so, Jason, you have an airman in your wing and they come across toxic leadership. And, and what do you tell them to do? First, I would ask the individual, have you, have you had a conversation with your supervisor? Because depending on where this toxic mm -hmm. leadership is coming from, are you comfortable with expressing this yeah. to that leader? Because this message needs to get to this person who is, who is leading in this way. And, 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 and looking, you know, playing on, on what JB was, was just saying, which I think is a very important point, whether you're making decisions or whether you're trying to influence decisions, making sure that you are empowering those decisions at those right levels for folks to address things, where it's something it could be, um, 
if I'm in trouble, Aaron Vadioni does not want the first sergeant or the commander to come and get him. Aaron right. Vadioni wants Staff Sergeant Ogurek to come and get him and be there for him. And so making sure that before you engage, so before I would engage back to your question on, on the toxic leadership piece, has the person had an opportunity to know that what the decisions they're making, how they're behaving, is negatively influenced the organization or the folks in the organization socializing that with her or him. And if they're not, um, encourage them to do so. And if they uh, are not comfortable doing so, then figuring out where in the organization, is that me, is it the chief, is it the commander, is it the shirt, where is the right level to address that and start peeling that onion back before jumping in. Okay, excellent. I appreciate everybody's time in our second podcast. The one point that I leave with is on becoming a leader, you're clearly influenced by all those things that have occurred in your life before you joined the Air Force. And so what, what our leadership team would say is bring those with you into the Air Force. Those are instrumental in refining yourself as a leader, in developing a leadership philosophy that's not only going to influence decision making, but it is also going to positively influence who you become as an officer or a senior NCO. So again, really appreciate everybody's uh, time today. Uh, thank you very much. Well, Sentinel Warriors, hopefully you picked up some great ideas to add to your own leadership toolbox and feel inspired for your journey as you heard about struggles some of our current leaders have faced and overcome. Please join us next time for another insightful episode of 2420.